Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 16 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Alan Sanders of The Wilder Ride and of many other projects. Welcome to the hey, show, everybody. Alan. How's it going? Going great. Going great. Doing well. Excellent. You know, we're, 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 stuck, in, we're stuck in Wichita, but we're trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> I, you know, I gotta say, I, I, it's wild because this is those mo- one of those movies we watch every Thanksgiving, getting ready for the Christmas movie watching season, the holiday watching season. But this is like the movie that kicks it off because it's one of the only, if not the only, holiday film that's basically dedicated to Thanksgiving. So it's wild. Here we are recording it in the beginning of a new year, and uh, hey, the way it times out, maybe everybody will be able to go and l- listen to it all before uh, this Thanksgiving. You should be able to because it'll the, the whole show will be done by the beginning of July, so you'll yeah, you'll have plenty of time, you'll have plenty of time to, to listen to the whole thing if you want to listen to it a second time. I, I don't know if you're going to want to go through that many hours. It, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see how many hours it turns out to be. <laughs> I mean, my my great escape was I think over sixty hours worth of discussions, and most of those episodes were about twenty minutes, so and that's one hundred and seventy two episodes. So you you can do the math. <laughs> it's a few days worth of just listening straightforward. So, all right. So minute 16 begins with Neil looking at Dell in a very strange way and ends with Doobie's taxi showing up at a motel. <laughs> can I tell you, I am really, just as a general side note, I am really bummed that this is the only pairing we have of Steve Martin and John Candy. These two guys are fantastic together. I completely agree with you, but I also think that it's great that this is the only pairing that we have of them because I think it might have, you know, it might have dampened things if they if they were in other movies together also. This is just so unique. Right. And it's something we'll never know. We can discuss the pros and cons of it, but you're right. We'll never know, and because of that, we have a perfect pairing. That is true. Definitely true. So the minute basically begins with Neil and Dell. As we were talking about on Friday, Neil and Dell are, are in the Wichita airport. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Dell offers to take Neil to a motel that a friend of his owns. And basically, Neil is debating what to do. And then he realizes that Dell has a the steamer trunk, which caused all those problems. You know, back in New York, which we discussed mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago. And when we were dealing with the script, I mean, there's a lot more of that steamer trunk in the in the script at the beginning in New York, which everyone probably has already heard the last few weeks when we discussed that. So basically, Neil at this point realizes that he has little choice but to go with Dell because he just doesn't want to stay in that airport. Mm-mm. You know, one of the things you mentioned about uh, more to do, and, and you've probably touched on it, but I, I just as a general comment about the script, I had no idea how long the original first cut of this movie was supposed to be mm-hmm. before the script right. basically made it down. That's right. It's, it's almost a four-hour cut. I mean, people were complaining about you know the fact that The Great Escape is long. This, <laughs> this movie, <laughs> this movie is, 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 I think, an hour longer than that. The, 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 full, the full edit, which we don't have. Right, but, we don't. But I do have a copy of, of the full of the, the I mean, they, but they apparently actually recorded everything. They they filmed it all. 
but then they cut yeah, it all out. Yeah, if you get a copy of the script, apparently John Hughes told Steve Martin, he goes, oh, no, this is, we're shooting everything. We're not cutting any of this. And they did? Because when Steve Martin got the script, he's like, wait a minute. This is like a four-hour opus. <laughs> and John Hughes is like, yep. He said, I wanted the audience to feel that by the time they got done with the movie, they were as exhausted at, as these two characters were by the time they made it through all of their adventures. And apparently that works. <laughs> <laughs> but Dude, I am glad they cut it down to make it move a little faster for us, the move the movie watcher. I'm I, I agree with you because a lot of the scenes that they cut are pretty much extraneous. There, there's a few that are good ones, which we'll we'll talk about through the course of, of this entire show. But uh, on a whole, most of them rightfully were cut out. Yeah. Right. So we see Neil's look on his face that he realizes that he doesn't have much of a choice. And then we get a shot of a taxi. Driving in the middle of the night. Now, what do you, what do you know about cars? Are you a car person? I'm not. Are you a car person? I'm not a huge car. I do know this is an old Bonneville. I, and I have never in my life, even having grown up in Detroit, not Wichita, which is certainly not as uh, motor city as Detroit. I've never seen a taxi tripped, tricked out like this. The massive uh, the aerial on the back, the antenna that looks like it's for a ham radio more than a CB. Yeah. Um, just the, the decorations, the, the paint job. <laughs> it's, I'm like, what? This must be this guy's, this is it. He's a cab company of one. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, as, as you know, I also grew up in Detroit. So yeah, I never saw anything like this either. So this is a 1968 Pontiac Bonneville. It's a, the, the version is a, a hard top sedan. So I, I looked it up to see how much it would cost to buy one today. I don't know how much it cost at the time, that, that I wasn't able to figure out. So if you want, there, there's on the website that I found it on, I think it's called uh, Haggerty.com. So it, it says that there are four different levels of the conditions that you can get a car in. You can get the concourse, the excellent, the good, or the fair. How much would you <laughs> would you think it would be? Just pick one of the four. Tell me how much you think it would cost to buy one of these today. A classic car like this, uh, 68, probably $30,000. For which for which level, for the top oh, probably level? for the uh, for 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 not uh, not not the not not horrible but probably a mid level something something in decent drivable condition something that doesn't need a lot of restoration. Okay, well again according to this website and I don't know anything about cars so you know going based on what they say there so the concourse uh, edition which is top of the line would go for today at twenty seven thousand three hundred. So you, oh, you were you were you were close. Goes. You were very close on that one. And if you were to get it in excellent condition, it would be nineteen thousand four hundred. Good condition is twelve thousand two hundred, and a fair condition <laughs> is is ten thousand one hundred. Well, it didn't hold its value as much as I thought. I figured with something a little bit older, because in the United States, anything more than thirty years is now considered classic territory. Right. But they uh, talk about movies like that too. I don't like that. Made. You know, people. Yeah, I don't like that either. <laughs> people people say, here, this classic movie from 1998. I'm like, that's not classic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. <laughs> if we're still watching it, yep. Nah, that's, I don't like talking that way, but anyway. Right. No, that, um, that's my point also. I don't, I don't like the other phrase of that. Now, the first thing you notice is that this car does not have a license plate in the front. Okay? Here's another question for you. Of the 50 states, how many states require a front plate or vice versa you can say how many don't require a front plate you know we have front plates back plates right 
Um, I honestly don't know how many are left with that tradition. I know I grew up where we had it on the front and the back, and then when I moved to Georgia, it was front and back. And for the last probably 30 years, it's only been the rear plate. So I have no idea how many states still require a front and back. Okay. Well, first of all, I'll give a little bit of history. In Kansas, which is where we are here, supposedly, even though we're not really in Kansas, we're not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) (laughs) In Kansas, they they started having license plates in 1913. That was a requirement to, to start putting them on cars in 1913. In 1956, in Kansas, they changed the law that you only need to have a rear license plate because people complained that it's actually messes things up if you don't have it if you have to put one in the front i'm not really sure what that means but whatever so of the 50 states there are still 30 states that require 30 states plus washington dc that require a front plate along with it so we were talking more than half yeah me neither i was i was very surprised at that number that's shocking Mm -hmm. yes it is because i mean you look at the way cars are designed today so many of the front modern bumpers, uh, they don't have a place to put a front tag. Correct. Which which is one of the complaints <laughs> that, I, that I saw. So basically, Kansas is one of those states that doesn't require it. I, th- I think Michigan also doesn't require it. Correct? At Correct. I think they got rid of it around yeah. the around the 80s or maybe even before that. But Because I, I know we used to have them on the cars when I was growing up. And then... All I know is when the last time I was there, it was just on the rears. Right. I think in the mid '80s it was already changed when when I when I was yeah. growing up there. Yeah, you know, I'm a few years younger than you. Not that much. <laughs> not by much. Not by much. Not at all. Not, it's not the years. It's the mileage. Keep that. That in mind. is true. That is <laughs> definitely true. Thank you, Han Solo. Wait, so, <laughs> so uh, Han Solo? Indiana no, Jones. Indiana Jones. Indiana sorry, Jones. sorry, sorry. Same, act, well, same actor. I got the actor. Character. Got the actor. There you go. <laughs> So the, this taxi continues driving. Now, the first thing you notice is you can hear the music. Okay, there's there's uh-huh. a song playing that the, the lyrics that we can hear are, well, he takes you up and he beats you down, yeah. He plays around and he spends your money. Now, do you, do you did you check to see where, where this is from? I did not. Okay, so the song is from a group known as Balam and the Angel. Okay, and the name of the song is I'll Show You Something Special, and it was released in 1987, and it was the only, it was released basically directly for this movie. And then they, they no idea. Yeah. Now, do, do you know who, do you know what Balaam and the Angel is? Do you have any clue? Nope. It's a, it's a biblical reference. Balaam was a uh, prophet of the Gentiles in the Old Testament, and he was hired by the, the, the king of Moab, Balak, to, to curse the, 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 the children of Israel. And every time he tried to curse them, it didn't work. And then there's the whole story with him and the, the donkey, or the she-ass, you know, that, that, kept, that, that wouldn't move forward because there was an angel in front of it. So hmm. that's where they get the name Balaam and the Angel. So I, I don't know how that's re- I tried figuring out why they named themselves that. I have no freaking <laughs> clue. No clue whatsoever. Yeah, I know that. I'm, I'm, I could try to make something up right now, but I, I'll just go with uh, I have no idea. Great. I mean, they're, they're a British rock band that, that put out a whole bunch of, I think they put out like four or five records in the, the late 80s, early 90s, something like that. So the, the taxi moves along and we, we get a great shot of looking at everything on this taxi. The first thing you see, obviously, is 
the name on the side of the door, and it says uh, Doobie's Taxiola. <laughs> which, as much right, as I so... tried, as much as I tried, <laughs> I couldn't find what that word means. It's not a real word, from what I can tell. Well, all I kept thinking when I saw Doobie is a reference to smoking a doob or smoking pot, or right. that you know that this was a pot smoking <laughs> Taxiola. Yeah. It was trying to sound really fancy and you look at the scroll work that's painted on the doors and yeah. then you see the uh the the lights <laughs> that are along the running board and then that divide the door yeah. <laughs> it's like well, okay <laughs> yeah seriously and i mean it, and then he has a a you can see the license plate which says on a wolf it, mm-hmm. and it, it's got a sticker from 1987 it says kansas 1987 i have no idea why he's called wolf it's never really referred to in the in the movie. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you that because the very next cut, we see the license plate, and then in typical John Hughes, we cut to different things that help characterize who the person is. We go to his, you know, his shifter, and there's As a the devil, devil head. That's right. <laughs> why wouldn't the license plate be devil or something? It didn't seem like it made sense. Like, why would wolf on one and a devil's head on the other? Yeah, absolutely no clue. They, they don't give us that much information here. Now, I've, I've been trying to get in touch with, with Larry Hankin, and hopefully I'm going to be able to interview him. Maybe he'll have some insight into these things. Larry Hankin is the, the actor who plays Doobie. Okay. No. Cool. I can tell you that uh, the next shot I really did enjoy was this guy has no problem putting his female favorite um, poses and models up for everybody to see when they're riding in the in his taxi. That is correct. Did you did you count how many there were? How many pin uh, I didn't I didn't count how many pinups. I was going to say probably a dozen. Okay, I, I counted fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're, um, you're very close on the dozen there, and and some of them have like they, they have like playing cards. You know, you have a picture of of, of a naked woman on there, and there's the, you know the six of clubs, and you see the ten of oh, sorry the six of spades and the ten of of clubs on one of them. It's like playing cards that he basically has has pasted onto uh, the I don't know just the roof or the side of the car for for everyone to get a nice look at it. Absolutely no clue. And there's a. There's it is a, funny. Yeah, and there's like a scorpion uh, tattoo print there. You know, the whole thing is, is I don't know. <laughs> and and there's also some of the pictures have like little balloon, like cartoon type sayings by them. So like one of them says, "You you call this a party," and another one says on it, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> uh, all I kept thinking is, in our current era, our current climate, can you imagine? Uh, younger generation getting in a taxi cab with this plastered all on the inside. Nope, not at all. <laughs> not. I mean, you might as well just say lawsuit rolling down the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. So they, they give us a quick shot of that. And, you know, you could tell that, that Dell is even a little uncomfortable in this in this taxi, not just Neil. I mean, first you see Dell, and then he looks over at Neil and he smiles at him in a very strange type of, of smile. You know, it's like a he's he's not that comfortable here and and then, we no. get, and then we get a shot of doobie you know larry hankin as as i mentioned earlier you know he's he's an actor who was born on the 7th of december 1937 he's had 114 different tv credits including he was on seinfeld and he was also on friends on seinfeld on seinfeld he played the character of kramer on the pilot that they made and on friends he played um, their neighbor downstairs, Mr. Oh, I can't remember his name right now, who actually dies. He like bangs, he bangs on the ceiling because they're making so much noise. 
and then they they'll stomp on they stomp on the on the floor and then they hear a big thud and they see that he dies <laughs> this would be perfect for my wife because she is a friends trivia holic i think she's watched the entire friends 10 seasons start to finish probably 10 times oh wow no i i yeah I, I saw it in the first run and then i saw it once again the whole the whole way through you know i, I do like watching tv shows the whole way through at some point because it, it gives you so much insight into the way that that everything plays out throughout the course of all these seasons when you don't have right. to wait you know throughout the summer to find out what's going to happen you know things like that yeah <laughs> he also has 58 movie credits you know he was he was in yours mine and ours which just came out in 1968 which I always remember seeing him in that one. Uh, you'd like that too. You're also from a blended family. You should see that if you have never seen that with uh, Henry Fonda and Lucille Ball. Uh, oh, you, uh, you know what? Now that you said Lucille Ball, I remember the name, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Okay. There you got your homework. Was it remade? Was it, it was remade re under a different name? You no, know, it was remade under the same name with Dennis Quaid and Rene Russo, but it's not even close to being as good. Go, okay. That's the one I think I saw. Go see the original. Okay. As 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 a kid growing up in a blended family, my my parents had us watch it, and I I've loved it ever since. And you know now that I myself am part of a blended family, it it's also great. I mean, it it's just it's it's about a a widower with ten kids who falls in love with a widow who has eight kids. Oh my god! And they tried, and it's based on a true story. Wow. Yes. Talk about B bunch, but like on steroids. Well, where was, do you think where do you think where do you think the idea of the Brady Bunch came from? I guess it must have been from this. Yes. I never, I never like I said, having not seen the original, but yeah, obviously if uh, that's the story that came first. Yeah. So Alan, as I said, you got your homework cut out for you now. <laughs> All right. Thumbs and up. he's also been in three John Hughes movies. This one, he's been, he was in, she's having a baby and home alone. All right. So we, we get a, a shot of him. He's got this like pompadour and he, he's got like a, a toothpick in his, in, in, in his teeth. So, and he, he just like looks and, and winks at Neil, which I'm not really sure what that means. Yeah, yeah I, I was trying to figure that because, I mean, you're already feeling a little uncomfortable. And then the driver purposely goes over his shoulder, takes his eyes off the road for a good five or six seconds yeah. to give a slow <laughs> wink and then slowly turns his head back like, aren't you in for a good time? I'm like, wait, what kind of movie is this? Yeah, <laughs> he like really grins, he grins at him like a really huge grin. And at this point, Neil then says, where the hell is this motel? <laughs> and Del, he looks at Dell asking this question. And Dell turns around and then says to Doobie, Doobie, is it much farther? The answer is not much. And then what's interesting is at this point, Dell then says to him, well, why did you take the interstate? He said, you said your friend had never been around here. So I just figured he'd like to look around. <laughs> In the middle of the night. You don't see nothing on the interstate, but interstate. <laughs> I mean, he's he's obviously trying to just, you know, rack up the price. There's no question about that. Right. Now, I mean, I, I had this discussion a few weeks ago with, with one of the other guests about taxis. So if, if you take a taxi, do you always go with the meter or do you try to, to haggle out a price beforehand so that they don't try to run up the meter? Well, the, the thankful thing, the handful of times I've had to use a taxi have all been in New York, and I just go with whatever because I want to get in and out of that cab as fast as possible. <laughs> okay. Not, I've, had, I've had some horrible times in a taxi cab in the middle of summer with ta with cabs that don't have air conditioning. The, 
I mean, I've, where the, the air conditioning is, roll your window down. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so, yeah, I try to avoid taxis. I either will take, uh, I'll either drive or um, I'll do uh, public transportation, but I don't like taxis. Right. Now, what I, what I wonder is, okay, Dell has been to this motel beforehand because he's going right. to a place that he knows. He also knows Doobie, apparently. I, I don't think that he just, you know, randomly found Doobie as a taxi driver. He must have called him. It makes it, it sounds as if he knows him. So shouldn't mm-hmm. Dell know that they went around the scenic route? You would think so. I was wondering that. Unless maybe this is the first time they've gone this route that maybe they they're used to taking the interstate. Because right. when he gives them that answer, Dell kind of goes back to Neil and goes, "Well, you know, there you go." I'm like, <laughs> "Makes sense to me." Well, especially since Dell realizes he's not paying. So what's the difference? Right. <laughs> if exactly. Neil if Neil's paying, then I don't care. <laughs> now, did you notice that in the back? And on, throughout the entire car, basically, on the, the back windshield and the front windshield, there's like these strange little things dangling from the top. Did you notice those yeah, things? Yeah, like tassels. Yeah, yeah, they're tassels. But like, what's the purpose of those? you have any idea? Uh, you know, I just had this whole idea that it, it's almost like uh, like a Cheech and Chong kind of uh, Mexican flair or sort of that, that – you think that this makes your your vehicle look really cool when you've got this old you know land boat that you're trying to dress up. So I just it just to me looked like something you would try to do if you were a, a drug runner like or a druggie like a, a pot smoker, which again goes along with the name Doobie on the side. Right. So it just always it reminded me like Cheech and Chong. True. And then Neil looks over at Dell and says, "But it's the middle of the night." <laughs> Dell's answer is, "I know, I know." Meaning, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cause any problems here. <laughs> I don't want to argue. Exactly. He's my buddy, dude. Again, it makes it. I mean, we see how optimistic Dell seems in this in this particular scene, even though, again, he's not paying. <laughs> right. It's much easier to be optimistic when you're not the one paying. <laughs> and depending where we are in the script, there's about halfway through this, we've got a shot coming through the windshield where you see the tassels along the top edge. You see the lights along the bottom edge of the windshield, and you're getting a shot across the dash, and you see, uh, you know, Doobie's hands on the wheels. There's two round objects in front of the steering wheel. Are those supposed to be boobs? I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> and it also has Just like this this white right there. <laughs> exactly, and he has this like white. It looks like feathers or something like that on on the dashboard. Also, it's like covered covered in. I don't know if that's supposed to be carpeting or something like that. It looks like it's hair or something like it's um, dog hair or something just all put up on top. I don't know. Yeah. Shag. Yeah. And then you definitely have the those, those two boobs just sitting there right right in front of the right in front of the of of, of the steering wheel. Don't know. <laughs> No clue as to it's why that's there. It's such a small detail. It goes by so fast that if you don't slow it down, because you really only catch it as the lights of a of either the – obviously, they're making it look like they're driving down the street, and so you've either got the street light coming through the windshield, and you just get a moment where it's lit up. Like, you can't miss it, right. and then it's in shadow again. Right, and in the back, right, right on the other side of, of Doobie, you can see that there's, like, this skeleton. He has, like, this skeleton yeah. hanging there. Which, again, reminds me of, like, again, uh, a sort of uh, south of the border Mexicano flair where it might, uh, in honor of the Day of the Dead, where yep. you've got this uh, skeleton hanging from your your, your side window. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Dell's response to Neil 
as to why they're doing this. But he's proud of his town. You know, there's that's damn rare these days. <laughs> so again, Dell is trying to to make it sound as if it's okay to be doing something like this. Isn't it right off the bat? I mean, and I know we're only early on, and the misadventures get worse and worse and worse as we go. So these are mild. These would be things like if this was your only adventure, you might not have a whole lot to tell about your story, but you right. get the sense already. Dell's a guy who's glass half full, half full with everything. And Neil's the exact opposite. So Correct. it's always glass half empty. Yeah, which is why they're perfect together. They're, they're the complete yeah. opposites, which is great. Very much a modern odd couple kind of story. Yes. Yeah. And then also he has like these lights shining in the on the, the back windshield, which makes it look like it's maybe a scanner or something like that, like a police scanner, because it's got like blue and red lights that, that keep flashing back and forth. Well, the ones that I was that I was looking at uh, reminded me of having uh, the old style equalizers in your car that would bounce with the power of the, mm. the power meters. Okay, so maybe that's what it is. Okay, could be back in the eighties because it seemed like it pulsated with the music, so it made you see realize that not only is the music loud, he's probably got uh, aftermarket stereo speakers, maybe. Uh, mm. Maybe Wolf's in the trunk, you know. Could be. Because the 80s would have been that era of watching a lot of people trick out their cars as well. As we'll find out on the outside of the car later, it's not just an, a stereo ride. It is definitely something he he's played with the, the suspension. Too. Yeah, no question about that. So basically the, the car then shows up in front of the, the Braidwood Inn, and we get to see the trunk is doesn't even close because it has the steamer trunk hanging out the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too big to close the trunk on that Bonneville, which is saying something about how big that trunk must be. Because, I mean, a 68 Bonneville, I mean, you could put bodies in the back of that trunk. I mean, <laughs> that's like your typical gangster kind of car of the day. Apparently not uh, steamer trunks that, that Dell walks around the whole country <laughs> with. <laughs> right. As the car stops in front of the motel, the minute basically ends. So do, do you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we, we get into the script and a few other things? No. One of the things I did notice uh, – and a, and a rewatching because you know whenever you watch a movie for just fun you're watching it for fun but when you're watching it for one of these exercises you start paying a lot closer attention which makes you wonder why you don't do that with movies anyway yeah the number of side characters little characters probably day players that were only in one scene or were only there for one part of this story it's just this 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 script is littered with so many people like this is all we're going to get to the cab basically over yeah. the next couple minutes of him getting out and unloading the trunk and that's it. We're never going to, you know, that's, and there's so many of these little French scenes where it's just, it's like scene, 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 scene with all these little extras that are thrown in there to be like, uh, in the scene with the two main characters. Yes. Yeah. It reminds me of like quantum leap, you know, we have the, the same two characters throughout every single episode and everyone else is just constantly changing. <laughs> right. And, and, and you get these actors and some of them are more known. And a lot of them, I think, are John Hughes favorites that you see along the course of the movie. Yeah. But they're willing to be in the scene for just one one location, one scene, probably, like I said, one or two days of shooting. And then they're done. Yeah, completely. All right. So the script has a few discrepancies here. One of them is uh, when Neil asks Dell, how far away is, is the motel? Dell responds, oh, just up the road a piece. So it, it shows that Dell doesn't really have any clue how far it is. And then right. we get a shot of the taxi meter. And it says that right now it's it's at one hundred twenty four dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say that cab driver took the scenic route. <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> hey, this makes me wonder. Maybe, 
maybe Dell doesn't know because he's always figured out how to get somebody else to pay the bill. That could be. He's never paid attention. That's true. What does he care? He's not paying, and he's never paid. You're right. Hey, I never thought about that one. Thanks. Thanks for that that <laughs> that idea. So in in the script again, it's a minor discrepancy. It's it's a 1966 Bonneville, not a 68. And on the side of of the car, it says "Chariot of Sin," as opposed to <laughs> "Doobie's Taxi <laughs> No, which oh, makes like more that. sense with all all of the the various. You know, the, the pinups and all that stuff. It makes a little more sense that you would call it a chariot of sin. Chariot of sin. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and the description of Doobie is pretty funny also in, in the original script. It says, a hefty middle-aged greaser turns to reveal a tremendous glistening black wave of artificial hair, sideburns that would have shamed Elvis, a toothpick in his teeth. <laughs> well, we got the toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> basically <laughs> right so, it is amazing i did hear that john hughes when he was so inspired to write this and we're in the first 60 pages of the script that he banged out 60 pages in like six hours he was so inspired to write this story yeah we're on, we're on page 38 kind of based on, i'm sorry we're on page 38 the end of this minute so this so this was part of the very first sit down and just write like he just banged out 60 pages in in a six hour period yeah. And of course, it took him a few more days. I think he said, I think the story is he wrote the entire script in three days. Yeah, that's what I heard also. That's that's nuts to me. That's completely crazy. But but he's it is based, I guess, somewhat on one of his really bad travel experiences back in the day when he was in sales or marketing or something and had a horrible flight that didn't go to where it was supposed to. And then it got canceled again. It actually so went had, to Wichita. Had, was it Wichita? Yeah, he heard it went to Wichita. Because I knew it was someplace that he was supposed to be between New York and Chicago, kind of like this story, and then ended up someplace else. I didn't know where, but um, it was just interesting how he just kind of, you know, they always say, write what you know. And he apparently uh, had a very similar bad experience on a trying to get home from a business trip. Right, which which also the fact that this is one of his very few, I guess you could say, adult comedies, which works so well, says so much about yeah. the fact that, that he, you know, he knew – how to write kids very well. And this movie shows that he could write real life experiences also in a very mm -hmm. funny and poignant way. You know, and the thing about him is he's a very good director and he, he directed a lot of his stuff as a, but he was so prolific. And he's, if you go look at his biography, obviously he's written probably twice the number of movies that he's directed just because yeah. he's written so many things. He couldn't direct them all. Right. It takes too long to make a movie. <laughs> I can bang out a script in three days. I'm, takes a lot longer than that to, to film a movie. So correct. Uh, I think he's a very, he was always, he was one of my favorite directors growing up in the eighties, being exposed to a lot of the teen angst films, the growing up films, yeah. the coming of age films. And, and then I kind of grew up with John Hughes. So I'm, I'm glad you're doing this. I really am glad you're doing this play. Me too. What a surprise. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> All right. So every Monday we we have a special segment where we do what's known as Martin Monday where my guest will give his top five Steve Martin performances. And at the end of this whole podcast, in the last few days, I will reveal which movie, what, what, what are the top five movies based on the rankings of every one of my guests. So why don't you tell me your top five Steve Martin movies? 
All right, we will do the reverse countdown, if that's how you want it, going from five to no one as far as all-time favorite Steve Martin flicks. Perfect. For me, number five, Father of the Bride. <laughs> Love that movie. Still to this day, thankfully, I have not yet been a father of the bride, but I've seen when uh, I've been to weddings and I've seen the kind of craziness. And Steve Martin can do something that a lot of actors try to do. He can do wacky screwball like situation comedy and yet keep the human element to the point where there's humanity and feeling. Yeah. It's not just like where John Candy is sort of the goofball character. You sort of assume that all this crazy stuff would happen. You would think John uh, that Steve Martin would be the kind of character that keeps it all together. And so I like I've always liked him as an actor. Yeah. Uh, number four. One of the first Steve Martin movies I ever saw in the theater when I was old enough to go to the movies by myself. All of me. Ooh, I love that movie. That is still hysterical and for me still holds up. But so funny. And Lily Tomlin as the spirit on the other side of the mirror. Yes. <laughs> so good. If, you, if, if people listening, if they've never seen all of me, one of his earlier films, check it out. Um, I, I didn't know if it was had to be in, in our top five. I went with um, L.A. Story number three. Okay, great. It's not just a Steve Martin flick. He, it's a it's an ensemble story of a bunch of actors, but L.A. Story is fantastic. Yeah, if you've never seen that, I remember seeing. I saw that in the theater when it came out. I remember just being blown away at how funny it was because it was just making so much fun of every of life in L.A. It was good, but then they had some moments that just had you like it's almost harrowing. Like you just realize it's really telling all the different facets of what it's like to be in L.A. Yeah. Uh, number two, this is, should be very familiar to you: planes, trains, and automobiles. His nut up scene that I wish I was part of that where he drops the F bomb what eighteen times and is what gives it its R rating is one of the funniest meltdowns I have ever seen on screen. I love it. And that's apparently so that the, is, the reason why that was one of the reasons why he, he agreed to be in this movie. I, I, I remember reading that there were the two scenes that, that, that sold him on this on the script were is that scene, the F bomb scene, and the scene where uh -huh. where he's playing with the with with the car seat, you know, with the reclining aspects of the car. <laughs> awesome. My all-time favorite Steve Martin flick, number one, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. All right. I love him and Michael Caine, two con men that in the middle of a con trying to con each other along the way and then end up being conned by other people. It is... It's so good. It's a lot of fun. So that is my all-time favorite. All right. Excellent. So the the other segment that we do every day is Off the Beaten Track, where either myself or my guest will tell a little adventure or misadventure of some story of something that happened to them. It could be long. could be short. So, Alan, why don't you tell us some adventure or misadventure that you've had over your 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 life? So for today, in honor of a scene that you had last week playing, and people want to know, I, I have a an anti-fetish of feet. I don't like looking at toes. I don't like feet, especially male feet. And part of it is back in my earlier days with IBM and I was doing a lot of business travel, it was a Friday afternoon, catching a flight, trying to get back home. I'm sitting there. I'm up against the the window seat. So I've got the, 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 the curved wall of the plane to my left. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I started getting this really horrid, funky smell 
coming up from the side of the seat. I'm going, did somebody look? And wedged between the wall coming right by my armrest, the dude behind me had taken his shoes off and had put his smelly feet basically right underneath my armrest. And I'm looking down at bare freaking feet. And I'm like, gonna hurl. I'm just like, what are you what, on a plane? Whoa. Especially after you've been working all day. <laughs> so I literally can identify with the nastiness of who would do that. And I have been just horrified by, by bare feet, especially close to my face ever since. Wow. So there you go. Okay. Not a fun. Tr- it goes along with this movie. Yeah, for sure. But it was a, a horrifying travel moment. <laughs> yeah. It, so folks, it wasn't Dell, was me, it? Please. It would do, no, it wasn't Dell. <laughs> But please, folks, if you're if you're traveling, you're not in your living room, you're not at home, okay? You're not at the hotel. Keep your shoes and socks on until you get to your destination. That's not that's not appropriate for for public. And then okay? and then you take off your 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 shoes and socks and you make fists with your toes. Make fists with your toes, but that's back on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> so many references. <laughs> why not? That's that's what we do. This isn't it? Isn't that why we do this? Well, it's what movie lovers do. That's right. I know that. That's right. All right. So there's my story for today. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So, Alan, why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you? All right. So for the a, a version of what we do here um, with Movies by Minutes, our first two seasons of The Wilder Ride were dedicated to two Gene Wilder movies. So you can find us, The Wilder Ride, where we did Young Frankenstein Season 1 and Blazing Saddle Season 2. Check that out. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I say us because my buddy Walt Murray is my co-host on that. And we had a lot of fun doing some uh, talk shows as well to follow with our seasons three and four. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. And to find me, it's very simple. All you do is just do a search for a Movie Rob Minute. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. And you can find us on our website. So, Alan, you want to come back again tomorrow? Absolutely. we got to figure out how to get this hotel. Uh, are they even going to get a room? All right. Well, until tomorrow, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs>